Everybody seems especially rowdy today. If you're new here or if you're not accustomed to um, what sometimes happens in meetings where the Lord is present, the Lord can give somebody a little message or a word directly from him. Or uh, so as we had in Hannah standing up, which I completely bear witness to being consistent with what we're about to speak about this morning, about people to walk with God, you have to lay aside your way. You cannot carry both. And then Frank stood up, and that, that is called, biblically, that is called a word of knowledge. When somebody says, this is what's going on in our midst. And that's not attributed to a man. That's attributed to God wanting to show people, I see. I see the trouble. And because I see the trouble, you can rest assured, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to help you. God never just says, I see three people who are being um, viciously attacked in mind. See you guys later. That's not God. If that's you this morning, rest assured because God sees it, he's helping. Not once, not maybe sometime, but uh, it means I'm on duty. I'm carefully watching. It doesn't escape me. My thought, though, and Frank followed it up with, I think there's more than three. But if there's three, if he's pointing out three, it means people that are under severe. Of all the people who are under attack, I'm specifically seeing you three. And I'm sending you help. And the exhortation that Frank gave. He gave a word of knowledge. There's three people. And then the exhortation was, and this is where you can start sealing up the breaches. This is where trouble comes. And he started talking about our words and our speaking. And with both of those messages from individuals in our midst, that is the fitting prelude to our series for the next two weeks, which is called Speak. I, I was praying. I regularly say, Lord, I invite you to the meeting today. Now, that can sound silly, but if God's not in the midst, we might as well go bowling. It's God in our midst that makes the difference. And God in our midst, he uses every part. He uses you and you and you if you're on duty. It's not just about the music people. It's not just about the speaker. So what God is producing is a church that I believe is going to look like what we're not used to seeing. What we call church is not necessarily what God is building. So just to prepare you for the form and the function and the rules and the 1030 and uh, God is different. He has his own plan and it's good and it's right. We're the ones following him. So we don't tell him. We aren't dictating to him. And everything comes down to lordship. 
which, fills, which ends up with what Frank exhorted us at the end. We aren't our own and we aren't boss. God made things to function by very careful design. By law, by rules. God did not make this haphazard, chaotic thing. This earth functions very precisely. You function very precisely. Molly is going to have a baby very soon. Maybe today. <laughs> she is functioning by careful design. A child, a new soul is being formed in her and is kicking to come out at any minute by careful design that she and you and me and the doctors have no idea how it happens. We know it does, but we don't know how. We don't know how he weaves Molly's sense of humor into Mike's analyticalness. How does Michael's music get into Molly's artistry. We don't know that. When she cries, when she laughs, when she does what she does, things are being somehow woven in that child by careful design. Would you mind just sharing from your seat briefly what you just said to me and to us when you just came up? You said... What? Who doesn't, who can't relate to that? Who's ever had the coffee shakes? Anybody ever have the coffee shakes? Anybody ever have the hunger shakes? When I first started working construction uh, with Butch and a bunch of these guys here, one of the first, I think maybe the first morning on the job, everybody met at Perkins and we ate breakfast and I had a big stack of pancakes. And most of you might already groan because I was out in the sun, roofing, working hard, and lunch wasn't until 12 or 12.30. About 10.30 11, my hand is shaking so bad I can barely hit the nails. And I'm seeing spots. Guess what? My pancakes gave out on me. <laughs> I never again ate pancakes before working on a physical job. It doesn't carry you. Oatmeal, eggs, bacon, toast, Get some heavy carbs in there. I, f I hit the sugar crash. Now, the funny thing is, we can talk about all these things. It is, we function by careful design, law, and rule. Gravity, for the rest of your life, gravity is forever going to be the law you have to pay attention to. I'm going to use nutrition as just a, a small intro to this whole idea of what God has made works a certain way. 
If you feed your kids sugar and only sugar, if you eat sugar and only sugar and soda pop and chips, can you guess the outcome of your health? Rotten teeth, bad breath, ups and downs. You know, we love this one sign at the beach when we go. It says, unattended children will be given a cappuccino and a puppy. Um, <laughs> we know that what we eat becomes us. And you may say, what? I eat doesn't become me. Well, you know what? If your sugar crashes and you start to shake, guess what? What you ate just became you. You are now shaking. You now can't think about anything but lunch and getting off this hot roof and getting rid of the spots and drinking as much water as you can because at least something. We understand that what we eat becomes us. And the same parallel is true spiritually. What we eat, what we feed ourselves with, becomes our life. Energy or lack thereof. Focus or lack thereof. Growth or lack thereof. Stability or lack thereof. We live in such a crazy time. And it's exciting. And it's scary. And it's costly. And if we're to help us, starting with us and whoever's viewing this online, for this time, your walls better be built. You better have good walls because there's a lot of things coming knocking. There's a lot of things competing for you. And what are they competing for? Can we have our first verse from Genesis chapter 1? Then God said, this is Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Got that? Let me read it again. I don't think you got it. I think you think you're you. Just some blob on a spot, little spot in nowhere, Pennsylvania. And that blob goes shopping and that blob drives a car and that blob does this and that blob has a job. And on the job, he works with Bob. And Bob's a snob. No, don't get me started. Okay, little insight into Alan Offolder and what happens when he goes off on tangents. Blob and slob were not in here. Stick to the script. My point being, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. This is God speaking. You are the very image and likeness of God. You are something. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are something.
I've said it many, many times behind her back. Today I'll say it in front of her face. I've always said, if you want an evangelical outreach movement, get Kendra McNutt. Because before she says anything, she just is a light. She doesn't try to be. She doesn't have to be. She doesn't have to try. She'll tell you. I was minding my own business. Because she is something, and so are you. God has made you into be something unique, a unique expression of him. Let me finish our verse. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea. What? All right, I'll leave that. And let them rule over the birds of the sky. What? All right, I'll leave that one too. And over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, we have been made in the likeness of God in his image. And God speaks and we speak. And God's speaking is not a minor thing. It is his way. And he speaks a lot. God is not hiding. You know, when I hear believers say, I can't hear God speak, I'm like, I can't relate to that. I think more likely maybe you don't like what he, you hear him say and you dismiss it because he speaks a lot. And he is a careful father, and he directs and guides, and he knows if, I, if you can't hear my voice, I'm going to send you a text. <laughs> or I'm going to send you a brother, or I'm going to send you a bonk on the head. He has ways of getting his message, and he is not slack in it. God speaks a lot, and we are made in his image. When God speaks, he his word, what he speaks is creative. It is powerful. It stops things. It starts things. It opens things. It closes things. It is the way he has chosen to do things. And that's by revelation. And you're made in his image. So guess what? You also speak. You know, I, I'm a big animal lover. I love wildlife. I wanted to be veterinarian, but I smoked too much pot, and so that didn't work out. Because <laughs> veterinarians have to be sharper than sharp. And I was careless. And I was the product of this world. And Jesus, gloriously, after that, plucked me out of that life. But I love animals. But animals don't talk. And I know you're going to say, well, my dog, yeah, he can communicate. He can tell you when he's hungry or when somebody's at the door, but that is not talking. Men talk like God. We expound on thoughts and philosophies and musings and dreamings. We have imaginings. And when I sit down with Matt, I'm going to, we're going to talk. And that should tell you something about your God. That should be such wonderful news. You're made in his image. You're made to commune. And we're going to have communion today. And I'm going to maybe say some things about communion that you haven't thought. You're made to sit down and talk with him. He speaks, you speak. Let's reason together, saith the Lord. Isaiah chapter 2. Come and let us reason. Come on, let's talk. 
I don't know any father that doesn't talk to his child, that doesn't make regular time. And our God is just the same. And even when we're just toddlers and we can't understand anything, he still guides us. And his voice, he wants us to get used to his voice. This is just what God does. And it is not okay to forget God's ways. It's not okay to forget God's rules. It's not okay to ignore how you're made. It's not okay to just talk however you want. Because we're made a certain way. And God won't lower his standard because you and I are confused and we live in a crazy time and it's 2022. And he should just understand that we just drop the F-bombs. It's on the radio. It's just a word. Well, I'm going to contest that today. But the F-bombs are not the point. In fact, if you ask me, if you're a Christian and you're still F-bombing, you're like that young child that's still going goo-goo-ga-ga. You haven't made it very far yet. You maybe aren't where you think you are. There are things that will help you. That is indicative of things missing, things lacking in relationship, that relationship with God fills in so that is not needed. It's not necessary. And actually, it's loathsome. Little kids who we love dearly and value and would lay down our life for, pick their nose and eat their boogers. And it is disgusting. It is, it churns my stomach. And I pray to God that they grow out of it. And it is a disgusting thing to say. But we understand it as this is where they're at. They're a little, they just don't understand. And when I hear a Christian F-bomb, and that's what I think, you're picking your nose and eating your boogers, and I feel bad, and my prayer is that you grow out of it because it is hurting you. It's, I don't, I'm no wilting lily. Not only have I worked in the Indiana County Jail, I've worked for many, many years with juvenile delinquents, and I've worked in the deli at Martin's. <laughs> So if you want to talk about, there's no shrinking violets, you talk about F-bombs, it, it just flows like mayonnaise. It doesn't hurt me. It hurts you. It's indicative of something. But like I said, the F-bombs, that's just, that's the tip of the iceberg. Because what we're really talking about is conversation. What I say does matter. The Bible speaks extensively, both directly and indirectly, about how we speak and its effect on us. Your mouth, you may make me mad, but you ruin you. 
You pollute you. You derail you. One thing that was said about Jesus is no man, who speaks like this man? There is no man that speaks like him. He speaks as one having authority. And he spoke different. He spoke to trees. He spoke to storms. He spoke to diseases. He spoke to physical conditions. Did I say he spoke to demons? He spoke to demons. What? Because he was showing us this is what you've been called to. If you are careless with your mouth, how can I give you a mountain to speak to? If you cannot be trusted with your mouth, what else can he have you to do until he brings that? Until he reels that in. And the scripture says, man shall give account. On the day of judgment, man shall give account for every careless word. Because to ignore this is to ignore why you made, why you're still here. How, what, and why you speak what you speak. Because you and I are here to represent another kingdom. And our conversations reveal where our interest lies. You know, Proverbs, can we have the verse in Proverbs 18? You and I are here for assignment. Lordship means we have a Lord. Lordship also means you have an individual assignment that nobody else can do. You are uniquely fitted for it. And so with Lordship, there needs to come accountability. Why am I here? How am I going to do what I've been assigned to do? And you are not going to be able to do it with careless speech with careless conversation. Because God watches and he cares. Proverbs chapter, what is it? Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, very famous verse, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? You have power in your voice. Pat, you're a frog. No, it doesn't mean we have some kind of ability in ourself, that there's some kind of power in the words I speak. It means our words announce our choice. Our words are an announcement of what we've internally joined ourselves to, what we've internally chosen, the side we're on. God watches and he cares very greatly about who you're choosing. Next week, we're going to talk about tests, but God does test. Fact. Our little situations, lives are little tests. Whose side will you join? This place or the kingdom that you're a citizen of? You are from a different place, like it or not. 
believe it or not, God says you're a citizen of another country, of another kingdom. I want you here advancing that kingdom because for a short time only are you permitted to shine your light in a dark world. And then it's done and you can't get it back and you wonder why there are tears in heaven, why he'll wipe every eye. Because I used my time on conversations that will not be being had in heaven. God cares. Our words announce our choice of faith or unbelief, faith or fear. Those things always matter, and God is more attentive than we can almost imagine to little old me. What if you are much more valuable than you could ever imagine? You know, we attribute value in this place to your job and your income. God does not. God does not attribute your value and your worth to what you make. But to whether you're a servant or not, whether you're an active servant, whether lordship is still on the table, or whether you've done your time, or whether you've got other agenda, and I'm doing God, and I'm doing... My career. God and career. God and career. Lordship is absolute. Just as Jesus' death was absolute. He wasn't halfway for you. He was all the way for us. And that's great news. But things work in a certain way and he cares when they aren't working. And he always wants to come and that's why he would give a prelude to this message almost by saying, alert, alert, you're going to have to leave things behind. Alert, alert, what you say matters. And Frank had no idea of this message, but God did. And I asked God, I said, I invite you to come. If you don't come, what are we doing? If you don't show up, what are we doing? We need you. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is talking, um, and uh, I'll I'll read it to you. This is Matthew 15, verses 10 and 11, and then I'm going to jump to 17 and 20. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, hear and understand. Oh, let me set the table for this. The religious people watching Jesus and his disciple watched them go through the field, and they were picking grains of wheat and eating them, and they didn't have time to wash their hands. And this upset the religious people. You guys are eating food with dirty hands. And so Jesus addressed this. He says, do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? Next verse. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And those defile the man. So what Jesus is making a distinction of, it's not your words, it's what your words that come out of your heart are doing. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile, that means pollute, make the man sick. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. 
Now still, teach your kids to wash their hands, all right? <laughs> but don't miss the point. Jesus is saying what really makes you sick is what comes out of your mouth. What really troubles your house is what comes out of your mouth. What really causes you problems in your finances is what comes out of your mouth. What really causes you problems in your physical body is what comes out of your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth comes out of what you really think is true. The issue is what you really think is true, what you really think is important. We know to say Bible stuff. But you know what? Adding a little bit of Bible stuff to what I already think in here that's contrary to that is like you putting clean water in a glass full of muddy water. Has your clean water helped the situation? No. Because the main body in that glass of water was muddy. And people try to say, I say a little Bible stuff. Yeah, but the issue is, you're going to have to leave some things behind. God has a way, and some of your and my ways need left behind. If you've ever been in the woods, slight diversion, little picture example. If you've ever walked in the woods, you'll find that the deer travel the same way repeatedly and will make a deer trail. Correct me, expert, resident expert, Ned Kimmel, game warden, accompanied by dear wife Hannah Kimmel as witness thereof. Deer make trails. And so when you walk in the woods, you can actually find one of these deer trails and it's well-worn and other animals use these deer trails as well. Well, we have the same thing up here. You have the things that you think are true, important. You have deer trails up here. This is what's really important and we need to do this and this, and this can be a bit, bit. And we get all worked up and this is what we think is important and... Jesus said, that's the kind of stuff that derails people. Nobody's going to disrespect me, and if you disrespect me, then, you know. This comes out of a person's thought who has no self-importance, who isn't loved, who is afraid, and maybe a believer. And you disrespect him, and before he knows it, he's punched you in the head. And then he says, I can't believe I just did that. And Jesus would say, oh, I can. It's what you think about all the time what you would do if somebody disrespected you and finally there was enough limits taken off and you actually did what you entertain in your mind. People's conversations, and here's where, you know what, I, I am brutally honest with myself. I try to be. And we need to be brutally honest with ourselves, especially when it comes to walking in things of God. Are you having the fruit you desire? Well, then look at your, if, not, if so, if not, then look at your conversation. What's your conversation? Oh, that husband of mine, he's this, he's so scatterbrained, he can't remember anything. And Well, hallelujah, what a blessing for that man. You've just blessed that man. No, you haven't. Oh, that wife of mine. If a tree falls in the woods, 
and the man's there and the woman's not there to hear it. Did it really fall? I don't know. There's some stupid thing like that. <laughs> Those kids of mine, man, that cat, he's going to grow up and be a axe murderer. Well, what? The, pe the things people say, and those are little ones, and those are actual examples, are unimaginable to me. That's what you're planting in your life. That's what you're permitting. Now, it doesn't matter that you sprinkle a Bible verse in. What matters is, what is your condition? Are you always in fear? Are you always in anxiety? Then you're speaking a Bible verse is not doing the trick. What you think inside must change through spending time with God. Truth and light create a way in you. We've been talking about truth and light. It's how God does everything. Truth and light create a way in us. Can we have the verse in James up there too, please? James chapter 3. The more we are involved with God and his truth and his light, the more that becomes the deer trails of my mind. And I don't... So instead of saying, I'm not going to cuss, I'm not going to cuss, I'm not going to talk about this, I'm not going to talk about this. Instead of saying, I'm not, once you're filled with something else, you will naturally speak out of that. I love God's truth. I don't know how people talk privately. I'll just say this. When I'm by myself, I say this a lot. Oh, Lord, I love you, and I thank you for faith. I am thank you that your way, even though I scream sometimes, I'm thankful for faith. I'm thankful for the ways you watch over me. I'm thankful that you have given an angel. I'm more safe all the time than I realize. I'm thankful for your Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for you dying... Otherwise, who are you talking to and what do you say to him? Are you just quiet until church? Bless the Lord, O my soul, is an excellent song. But it should be an announcement of this is what I do every day. I bless the Lord every day. Every day I tell the Lord, I tell my soul, you bless the Lord and quit, get out of your own stuff. You've got too much to be thankful for. If you don't talk to yourself, I don't know what you're telling yourself then. I speak regularly to myself. Get up off that couch, Alan. Get out of your pity party and remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember that he has done this and he has done that. This is how if we don't do things like this, if, if our habit isn't to guard what we say, then our walls are not sturdy enough for the day we live in. And that's, I think, the, the salient point this morning. Are your walls thick enough? Are they sturdy enough for this day? Because this is a rough day. God made sure only the ones fit for this day would be here. There are some people that he couldn't have put in this day. They had to be born in another time, an easier time. The ones that were chosen for this time had to be rugged enough and fit enough. Because they have got to be the ones in history's crescendo. I need beautiful singers. I need people who are singing a beautiful song that breaks through the discord of this history's crescendo. Are you one of them? Are you going to be a beautiful singer? 
Are you going to be one of those ones who is a light carrier? It's what you're made for. James says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Get it? Big horse, little bit, and you control it. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. And so the tongue, so your mouth, you direct yourselves wherever you go. Wherever you are, you put yourself there. You drove yourself there. What you have to do is you have to be brutally honest with yourself and say, what is my conversation typically? Not what are your Bible verses you quote when you're trying to be religious. What do you go to when push comes to shove? What comes out of your mouth? And I, I see and hear people crumbling under the weight of this day. And so it's time we have to build walls. We have to put stones in. We have to not lie to ourselves and say, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. You know what? That's your deer trail. I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be afraid. Fear's not good, fear's not good. Replace that with something else. God, you are my strength. And if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Please. Don't sink the ship. Instead of not speaking, and I'm not, I'm trying to, and I'm trying to say the right thing. No, we aren't trying to say the right thing. We're trying to get at what you call true. And once we get at what you call true, then we can start to work. And if you find out, you know what, what I've really been calling true is this physical condition. Despite all that God says, I've been calling this physical condition mine. My sickness, my this, my allergies, my hay fever, my, my. Don't, don't claim it. It's an incomplete truth. And we're going to talk about this next week. Uh, right now, just understand that by way of introduction, kids can come on in. We're going to get ready for communion and then we have a baptism today. What I've sought to do this morning while the kids are coming up is just at least direct our mind to there's a way in us. We've been made a certain way and our mouths are the guide and the direction for it. Our mouths are our bit, our horse's bit. Our mouth is our boat's rudder. What we say matters because it comes out of what we really call is true. So we want to work with what we really call is what we really call true, what we really call light. And interestingly enough, we are having communion, and the word communion means relationship. And communion is when we take communion, what are we supposed to do? Anybody. Scripturally, Jesus said, as often as you drink this cup. And eat this bread, you are to remember him. You know what that doesn't mean? That doesn't mean we just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That doesn't just mean 
Jesus died on the cross for me. It might be. You know, I love that in Jesus' meetings, there wasn't a children's section. In Jesus' meetings with thousands of people, there were kids. There were people that were hungry. There were people doing stuff. So these things aren't a problem. You know, people say, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hear because of... No, you can always hear. You can hear what you want to hear. So communion is a time of remembering, remembering Jesus. But I would like to point you to something very specific in remembering. But remembering what about Jesus? Well, remembering he died on the cross. Well, why did he die on the cross? To take my sin. Yes. And more than that. Do you remember that Jesus said at the Last Supper, this, take and eat of this. This is the new covenant in my blood. You guys remember that? All the kids are settled. You can listen now. This is the new covenant. Covenant is a relationship word. And historically, we know that husband and wife are entering into a covenant, but historically, covenant was more like this. Matt, you and me are moving buddies. We know how to stack a U-Haul truck. Beyond that, there is such a closeness between me and Matt that I want to enter into a covenant with him. And so typically, historically, internationally, we would say, Sunday afternoon, meet at my house at noon. We're blocking off the street. We're barbecuing a pork. We're having all the friends out because we are entering into a covenant. And Matt and I, we would eat a meal. Matt and I would cut something on ourselves. We would embrace our hands. We would mingle our blood. And what that means is everything that I have is yours. Everything you have is mine. If anything ever happens to you, I take care of your family. If anything ever happens to me, you take care of your fam my family. My resources are your resources. You will never be in debt again. Your resources are mine. Alan, you will never be in debt again because we are covenant friends. We are covenant brothers. That's why Abraham was called the friend of God because God made a covenant. It's like a marriage. Covenant. The mingling of blood. The exchanging uh, in, uh, where did I write it down? In 1 Samuel 18, Jonathan and David, David was the shepherd boy who killed Goliath. Jonathan was the son of Saul the king. Jonathan and David, the scripture says, their souls were knit together and they loved each other. They were best friends. But it went even beyond that. And so Jonathan gave David his robe, which signified his kingship, his kingly rights, and he gave him all his weapons of war, his bow, his sword, his spear, and his belt, signifying what's mine is yours. You will never be alone in any battle again, even if it's my dad you're fighting against. And the scripture says, Jonathan and David made a covenant. 
Covenant is exchange. What's mine is yours. What we're remembering today, sometimes communion is somber for people because of where you're at, and that's fine. Sometimes communion is celebratory because of where you're at, and that is fine. But it is always to be a remembrance of you took what was mine, which was horrible, and you gave me what was yours, which is wonderful. When Jesus sweat drops of blood in the garden, he was taking something of yours and giving you something of his. When Jesus was scourged on his back with whips, he was taking something that was yours. In exchange, he was giving you his health, the scriptures teach us. When the crown of thorns were put on his head, he was taking something of mine. It, this was a covenant, a visible covenant exchange. Him taking what was mine, and mine was lousy. He got my lousy. He got my nasty. When people were ripping the beard off his face and spitting on him, he was bearing my shame. He took what was mine. He took what was due me in exchange for his honor, his glory, his righteousness, his peace, his favor. my sin and my nastiness for his righteousness, his goodness, his kindness. What we're remembering today is something like a marriage has taken place between me personally and Jesus personally. I'm taking the time today to remember. And if you can take the, take the little bread tabby off. I'm remembering today Jesus took what was mine. We entered into covenant, and I want to always remember my covenant like I always remember my anniversary with my wife. I want to remember relationship. And if you're low today, I have truth for you to replace. Set aside your way. You are in covenant with the Most High. He'll take your bad and give you his good, but you've got to remember that needs to be become, to become the deer trail in your mind. I'm in covenant with Jesus Christ himself. I am the bride of Christ. He loves me. He gave himself for me. He bore. He took my bad. My bad situations, my bad finances, my bad health. My poor everything. In exchange for his goodness, his riches. You want to remember that. Can we remember that? And the blood, he mingled it. We are forever inseparable. You cannot ever be alone again. You cannot ever be alone. Even if you feel alone, you are not alone. Even if you can't tell he's there. He promised, I am inseparable. I neither slumber nor sleep. I know everything that's happening. And I will help you. Only remember me. And this is a physical act of, we're doing it here, but he needs you. He wants you. You need to do it on Tuesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday night. On This is just representative of, I'm going to make sure if I've ever forgotten, I'm going to step aside. And today I'm going to remember, I have entered into covenant. God did not have to do that. He did not have to make a covenant. But he stooped down to our level to do a human thing so that we would understand how binding it was and how much he wanted to do it. 
So much that he said, my blood is meaningless. I'll take all your bad and we will be joined forever. These are healthy and good things to begin to plant in the deer trails of your mind and to begin to govern what you speak. What was that song? We are blessed, we are... We sang it this morning. We are blessed, we are highly, uh, highly favored, filled with your power. Those are everyday words because that's you unless you believed a lie and that's what we're addressing today. Can we remember today Jesus Christ cut covenant with me. He took all of my junk in exchange for all of his riches and I'm just remembering that he did that for me.